five mid mornings catch up. I've got Sable Leisha on the line with us this morning. Sable is an educational psychologist working with children, adolescents and adults with a passion for early intervention and psychoeducation within mental health care. Today we're talking about attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, also known as ADHD. Let's talk about that. Uh, let's start off right at the beginning. What is ADHD? I think it's something we hear a lot. We see a lot on social media. But what is it actually? Absolutely. So ADHD stands for Attention Deficit and Hyperactivity Disorder. I don't really like to think of it as a disorder. I try to think of it more as a brain that works differently. So it's classified as a neurodevelopmental disorder, and that's in the name, the development of the brain, the neurology of the brain. So it's really just about how brains work differently and process information differently. Okay, I mean, that sounds fair. And I suppose that's also following on to the next question, which is what causes ADHD? Is there something that can trigger it or cause it? Is it something we're born with or can you get ADHD later in life? How does that work? Okay, so research is not super clear on what causes it yet. We do know that there's a genetic component. So if you have a parent who's got ADHD, you'll be more likely to have it as well. But we know that things like early trauma um, can also impact ADHD, and that includes trauma in utero. So, you know, if your mom was experiencing a trauma or perhaps she was on substances, you might have a predisposition. Mm. But research really isn't clear. And I think your question, you know, can you get it later in life? That's the one thing we know that you can't. So it's in the name again, like neurodevelopmental. It usually happens that you'll start seeing symptoms quite early in a child's development as their brain is growing. Um, And these symptoms might fluctuate over time. So you might have periods where your symptoms are really severe and you need a lot more support. And you might have symptoms or periods in your life where your symptoms are not that bad and you're on top of things and maybe don't need that extra support. So just because you get diagnosed as an adult doesn't necessarily mean that you only got it as an adult. It means that you actually have had it throughout your entire life, actually. Absolutely. And a lot of time um, I see clients who've got this diagnosis as an adult and then they look back and they go, oh, wow, yeah, I could totally see that as a child. I just didn't have a name for it. Or, you know, I finally got a name for why I felt Mm. so different or why I felt like school was so hard. So speaking of looking back as well as a kid and going, oh, okay, that's why I did that. That's why this was hard for me. What are the most common symptoms in young people? And maybe I'm assuming that the symptoms, how they present themselves in adults is maybe a bit different. Even though you've had this disorder your entire life, it probably presents a little bit differently in kids than it does adults. So what are the most common symptoms to look out for? If I'm thinking, oh, maybe I have ADHD or maybe I'm thinking my little brother or sister or my kid Mm. or my baby cousin has it. Um, So I think the big symptoms are kind of in the name, attention difficulties and hyperactivity. Mm -hmm. But that can be quite misleading because there's actually two subtypes of ADHD. Actually, there's three subtypes. Mm. So you get your inattentive type and people used to call this just ADD. They would take the H out because there's no hyperactivity. Um, And then you get the hyperactive subtype and then you get combined where these are people who struggle with sustaining their attention 
and they're quite hyperactive. So you could fall under any one of those three. But symptoms that you would really see are like difficulty keeping your body still, lots of fidgeting, um, lots of high energy. There's a basket of cognitive abilities that we call executive function. And what this basically is, is things like planning, memory, uh, being able to organize your thoughts, having patience, kind of doing things step by step. And people with ADHD typically really struggle with these executive functions. Oh, yeah. I think that's something that I've definitely seen a lot of on social media as well. Speaking about executive dysfunction and how common that is in people with ADHD. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so if I would like to maybe get an assessment as an adult or get a younger person that I know assessed as well, uh, what options are available in terms of assessment? Is it a self-assessment? Do you go to a doctor? Do you go to a psychologist? Who can diagnose you even with this? How does the diagnosis work? Mm. So... There are so many screening tools online that might be a good starting point. I would never say that a screening tool is going to diagnose you completely, but it might be a good starting point to do a screening and then say, okay, I've ticked a lot of these boxes. I think I'm going to set up an appointment with either a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Um, The reason it's really important to get a professional to diagnose you and not to do it yourself is that we spoke about executive function earlier. (laughs) There are other difficulties or other mental health challenges that can also impact executive function. So if you are really depressed, for example, or if you've experienced a trauma um, and particularly complex PTSD, which is where you've got repeated traumas, often that can look like ADHD. So what you then want is someone who can sit with you and look back at your history. And maybe you'll call your parents or you'll look at your old school reports and really gather information from all different sources to try and make the diagnosis that fits you the best. Yeah, that makes sense because we're trying to obviously diagnose something that has been present since birth. So it's important to try and get some kind of record or some kind of memory, I suppose, about what happened or how you behaved as a child. Like you said, get school reports, get maybe a parent or a guardian to chip in as well. So speaking of treatment options, what is available to somebody who is maybe freshly diagnosed with ADHD what kind of treatment options are available, therapies? Uh, I know that there, I think we all know that there are medications available and also mm-hmm. treatment for people who aren't super keen on medication. Absolutely. So I think, you know, medication and therapy is often seen as the most successful treatment. You'll get your results the quickest if you've got that combination. Mm. So you've got your medication, which can kind of help your neurology stabilize a bit. And then you're working with a therapist to build coping skills. But if you're not keen on medication or a lot of people try medication, they don't like the way it makes them feel. Mm. um, I always say to people, don't be shy to go back to your psychiatrist and say that because it might be that the dosage is not right. It might be you know, there's a few different meds on the market. It might be that you need to try a different one and your psychiatrist should really be there to help work with you and find the best fit for meds. But if you're not interested in meds, there's also loads of supplements. Diet is going to be really, really important. You know, we want to have a whole foods diet, try and avoid um, saturated fats and kind of processed sugars and that Mm. sort of stuff just to really create a healthy foundation for your body. And I mean, I think that extends to all mental health, actually, that our diet has a huge component in the way we feel mentally and emotionally. 
Thank you so much for chatting to us this morning, Sable, and answering some of our burning questions about ADHD this morning. If we would like to get in contact, how can we find you? Catch up on some of the best moments from 5 Mid-Mornings by going to 5FM's Catch-Up page on the 5FM app or 5FM.co.za.